0: Good morning, everybody. It's July 5th. Uh, on our business banter today, we have Scott Fox with us, and he's going to talk to us about his family-owned business, as well as COVID and technology and many other topics. But with that, Scott, why don't we start with you uh, giving us a little background on yourself and how'd you get to be where you are today?
1: Well, awesome. Thanks, Taylor. I really appreciate you having me on today. Um, you know, I get, I get a little excited sometimes about being able to talk about our business, you know, quite proud of it. Uh, I'm, um, I am the CEO of the Orchards and the, uh, the Orchards is a senior healthcare and housing company. Um, it was started back in 1952 by my grandfather. Um, kind of interesting story how it started. He was a very entrepreneurial man, started a ton of businesses, Almost all of them failed miserably, and uh, he built his home to take care of a couple of elderly relatives, and one of his buddies came up and said, Hey, Jim, I got some people I need to have taken care of, too. How about I move them in with you, and I pay you some money? So that's really how our healthcare business started actually one of the first licensed nursing homes in uh, West Virginia. Our license number is three, and we've been around quite a while. One and two are gone, so we're the oldest continuing operating privately held nursing home in, uh, in the state of West Virginia. And it being a family business, you know, for those of you that haven't grown up in family businesses, they usually start the kids working very young. I remember stocking shelves about maybe nine years old. I wasn't able to carry full cases of items and I'd have to break open the cases and run them up and down steps to the storage rooms and didn't get paid in cash. I got paid in grilled cheese sandwiches and cinnamon rolls by my grandmother that still lived in the the house that was originally on the property. But I really had no intentions of going into the family business. I, music was my passion. I was a, a drummer and a piano player, and uh, my dreams were really kind of to head down that path. And I ended up going to West Virginia University on a music scholarship, but I continued to work in the business. By that time I was you know, working summers and weekends, you know, doing the book work, payroll, a lot of accounting, But uh, still, my passion was music. I got to WVU and quickly found out I wasn't nearly as good of a musician as I thought I was once I was on an international stage. I did not think I would make it as a music teacher. I'd probably be one of the people on the local news throwing a drumstick at a kid or something. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked out well for me.
0: I know you were just telling me about your daughter a few minutes ago. And your brother, I think he's parted ways with the company. So it's It's all on your shoulders these days. Anyone else in the Fox lineage you might take it over or is it just you? You
1: know, at the moment, I don't have any children that are passionate about coming into the business. And a long time ago, even before they were of age to make a decision like that, we kind of set some standards of what it would take to enter into the business. And we really think you kind of have to have a really good understanding and knowledge of the business and your training has to kind of align with being an operator here. Unless you're passionate about it, this is not an easy job to do. Senior healthcare is actually pretty challenging and COVID's made it even more so. They may change tunes down the road. They both have good education. My daughter's finishing up her last year at Boston University. My son's already out in the workplace and they're they're making their own way. If at some point in time they switch gears and come on board, we'd love to have them. But for now, we don't have any immediate operating children to pass along to. My brother's daughter doesn't live in the area either. So that next generation is in question right now. Mm-hmm. So, well, sometimes
0: that's a good thing and sometimes that's a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: a, it's but we're looking at other ways. You know, we, we kind of both my brother and I looked at the company not as something we solely owned and. You know, we kind of look at it as we're stewards of the company, mm-hmm. and we think one of our big differentiating factors is that we're family-owned and operated, and our name's on the shingle at the bottom of the driveway. We do things a little differently than a lot of corporate America. I'm um, mm-hmm. pretty passionate about that, that we want that to continue. we just got to figure out a pathway to do that. That's great.
0: Well, I know you sort of you brought up COVID a little bit there, but maybe you can spend a few minutes talking about what life was like pre-COVID and what it's like post-COVID and I know we talked for a few minutes about how you thought this was a big disruptor for the future of healthcare. So, why don't you give us a little overview of your experience in the COVID world? You know, as I said, the nursing home industry and and senior healthcare in general was
1: challenging before COVID. Staffing was always somewhat of an issue and, and regulations were pretty burdensome and reimbursement was created a lot of thin margins. So we had a lot of challenges facing us before that happened. And then when COVID hit, that just was an accelerant on all of those issues, you know. A lot of people left healthcare. They didn't want to take the risk of contracting COVID, taking it home to their loved ones. And, you know, there was a lot of people that was not on board with receiving the vaccine. We have a vaccine mandate in healthcare where it's required for you to work. Uh, we lost a lot of good folks then. So it's been a challenge. And we were already having nurses retire at a rate faster than uh, they were coming out of school. So that was a big challenge. Since COVID hit, the government rightfully so, put some regulations in place to try to help monitor and control the spread of COVID. Our experience with the government, though, is once they put those regulations in place, they stay in place long after. The reason that uh, they put it in place has gone away. Our burden has expanded. We are now the number one regulated profession in the United States by a wide margin. We used to have nuclear energy was a little bit ahead of us for a long time and we left them in our dust in the last couple years. It's a lot to deal with. At the same time, you know, the nursing home industry relies heavily on government funding. We're actually got a little battle going on right now. The federal government has uh, seen fit to cut our reimbursement from about 5% coming up in October in a time when we're going through extreme inflation and our costs have gone through the roof and added burden of meeting the regulations. They're just a little off base in how sustainable it is. A lot of nursing homes are financially distressed right now.
0: And I I would say probably the worst time too with the baby boomers, the silver tsunami that's coming down the the path uh, of one area that you probably want to make sure is doing well would be your sector right now.
1: Yeah, and we're not ready for them now. You'd see a lot of hospitals and nursing homes are actually restricting access to folks just because they don't have the staff to take care of people. It's going to be a real problem. Access is going to be a problem for a lot of folks.
0: Well, on a positive note, we we talked a little bit about technology. Anything you're doing to try and combat any of this or things you see in the future of making things more streamlined or ability to help out these people? Absolutely. There, you know, if there is a
1: silver lining from COVID, it really drove some technology advances that we've been able to utilize and, and caring for people. Things as simple as um, you know, an infection control devices, we put some equipment onto our HVAC systems that helps treat the air that's circulated to fight the viruses and bacteria that's typically airborne and spread throughout our care spaces. We now are constantly recycling and treating that air, so it cuts down on that transmission. Monitoring stations. I mean, you've probably seen some of this out in the public where you may be going into an office building and you have to get your face scanned and it checks your temperature as you're entering a doorway, things of that nature, you know, really their application in healthcare really exploded over the last couple of years. It wasn't very common until COVID hit. We have software and device improvements. Nurses now have the ability to monitor somebody's vitals in ways they didn't before, that's not as invasive or restrictive on the patient. And doesn't require them to go in and take all these vitals individually. They don't have to take the time to document it. It's already transferred to the, to the medical records, flags, if there's something that needs to be addressed, it brings it to somebody's attention quickly. And the things I see my, my daughter in school to become a biomedical engineer and her internships, she's working on some developmental devices that just absolutely blow my mind. We have those capabilities just right around the corner. So I see a lot more advances that are going to help improve patient care and not be as invasive or scary for the residents. And you're not always taking blood or putting somebody through an MRI or a CAT scan when somebody can just wear a simple device that essentially gives you that same data in real time.
0: What's the future of Scott Fox? Are you sticking with what you have right now? Are you growing? Are you in a wait and see? What's your your thought in the coming years here?
1: You know, our company, we take care of people. Typically for us, that has been seniors. But we've also began going down the path of entering the addiction and recovery field. We will shortly be opening what's known as um, Executive Sober Living. It's geared more towards... Uh, professionals, doctors, lawyers, business executives that maybe had a substance abuse issue. They went to rehab and were transitioning back to home, but not quite ready to go home yet. And we're opening up a facility in Pittsburgh that's going to help those folks transition back to a happy sober life while working and you know, just providing them some extra structure and support. So that's one thing we're doing. We're also seeing in our core business with senior healthcare, we're we're moving more towards home health, some of those support ancillary services. We started a physical occupational and speech therapy company in the spring, and home health care is right around the corner for us.
0: That's great. It sounds like as much as it's hard, it's great to hear that you're sort of adapting and finding new verticals. A lot of times when companies have things like this, they either fold or decide it's time to get out because it's getting too difficult or there's no you know, not enough money versus all the uh, the headaches they have to do. So that's great that you're you're adapting to that. It,
1: it definitely is a matter of survival. I've always thought you're either green and growing or ripe and rotting. I'm on the back nine of my career here, but I prefer to stay green and growing.
0: That's great. Good good attitude to have. Well, thanks again so much for your time and we really appreciate it and uh, some really great insights there.